I make kids work harder than they ever thought they could. I can make a C-plus feel like a Congressional Medal of Honor, and I can make an A-minus feel like a slap in the face. How dare you waste my time with anything less than your very best. I make kids sit through 40 minutes of study hall in absolute... No, you may not work in groups. No, you cannot ask me a question. Why won't I let you go to the bathroom? Because you're bored and you don't really have to go to the bathroom, do you? I make parents see their children for who they are and who they can be. You want to know what I make? I make kids wonder. I make them question. I make them criticize. I make them apologize and mean it. I make them write, write, write. And then I make them read. I make them spell. Definitely beautiful. Definitely beautiful. Definitely beautiful. Until they will never misspell either one of those words again. I make them show all their work in math class and then hide it on their final drafts in English. Here, let me break it down for you so you know what I say is true. Teachers make a goddamn difference. Now, what about you? That was Taylor Molly, educator and slam poet, at a 2005 presentation of his poem, What Teachers Make, at the Bowery Poetry Club here in New York City. Looking back on my four years of high school at Stanton College Prep, it's undeniable that without the teachers we had, the class of 2010 would not have gone on to be as successful or as accomplished as we have been. We were lucky to have the teachers we did, and I'm sure that if you think back, there was probably at least one or two that stand out in your mind. Maybe your favorite teacher was one who was really nurturing and helped you understand complex ideas and concepts with ease. Maybe at the time, this one teacher wasn't necessarily your favorite on account of being super strict, but looking back, you realize that they pushed you beyond whatever limits you thought you had. Some teachers were funny, others serious, and many of them had something about them that helped them stand out from the crowd. Whatever the case, more so than any Albus Dumbledore, Mr. Miyagi, or John Keating from the Dead Poet Society, our teachers from Stanton College Prep undeniably had a huge influence in shaping who we turned out to be. If we say that we run this, it's only because they showed us how to in the first place. Hello and welcome to the We Run This podcast, a show celebrating the stories of the Stanton College Prep class of 2010 and how we continue to kill it 10 years on. I'm Paula Bautista. When you look back on the journey you've taken over the last 10 years, it's really satisfying to look at each decision and circumstance and think that they seamlessly led you from one into the next to have you ultimately end up where you are today. Of course, in the moment, we don't always realize this is the case, but I firmly believe that we always end up where we're meant to be. One of our classmates who has lived this experience is the first one we'll talk to this episode, Emma Flanders or as she's now known as, Emma Cassanda. My name is Emma Cassanda. I'm formerly Emma Flanders. I currently work as a recruitment associate at Kip Jacksonville Public School. So back in high school, Emma was pretty busy. 2010, Emma was very eager and ambitious. I didn't say no to a lot of responsibilities or activities. I was always wanting to be uber involved. I probably stretched myself pretty thin when it came to all the things that I was involved in. 
On top of the rigorous IB program, Emma swam and played tennis all four years, and even managed the boys' soccer team, including their run to the state tournament in Tampa. She was also pretty involved in the group Young Life, a youth ministry program for high school students. Since this is an episode about teachers, I asked her which class stood out to her from her time in Stanton. I think what stands out the most is the the leadership course that was offered to seniors with Mary Jean O'Connor. I, I loved Miss O'Connor. I loved Mr. O'Connor. I took classes from both of them. The opportunities and experiences and, and what I learned about myself and Stanton as a whole uh, in leadership senior year was amazing. It was just an amazing experience. After graduating from Stanton, Emma went to Auburn University. I graduated and went to Auburn University, which is in Auburn, Alabama. Um, And I enrolled in Auburn the fall of 2010 with the intention of becoming a physical therapist. A quick shout out to all of the Stan kids who ended up going to Auburn with Emma. Ross Melvin and Leela McCurrick and Katie Printergast. There there was a group of people um, from Stanton, Emily, Higginbotham was my roommate freshman year, so that certainly made the adjustment of being away from home with no car easier. It also gave me some cushion to, you know, have new experiences and make new friends and always have people that you can kind of come back to and and rely on. Now, Emma had planned on becoming a physical therapist due to her athletic experiences in high school. However, for various reasons related to her scholarship not working with a graduate program she was hoping to matriculate into, she ended up shifting to accounting as a somewhat strategic move. However, this led to the first of many influential life experiences at Auburn, even if she didn't intend for it to do so. Being in the accounting program gave me exposure to nonprofit and governmental accounting courses. I was able to take an elective called nonprofit management. And that led me to ultimately make a career move that that wasn't accounting, um, but allowed me to use my accounting degree to move into the workforce after college. Now, putting a pin in that for a second, Emma had continued to stay involved in Young Life throughout college and, in fact, ended up becoming a Young Life leader for a local high school near Auburn. I was on a Young Life team that was supporting doing outreach to students at Opelika High School. And it was there that I met Tiana. And Tiana is very special to me. Um, I continued to mentor her in the three-ish years that we were together at Opelika High, me as a mentor and, and her as a student. Her senior year, which was also my senior year of college, Tiana ended up getting pregnant. And so she had her baby named Braylon in March and was not going to graduate high school. Um, She still had a half of a semester she needed to finish, and she was worried about raising Braylon, and so she she wasn't going to graduate, and I just told her that that wasn't an option. She was going to graduate high school, and so I took Braylon in a couple days a week to make sure that she was free to go to class and get caught up and do what she needed to do to be able to, to graduate high school, and in that time, we just got super close. Braylon is officially my godson, and I love him and Tiana more than anything in the world. And I credit Young Life with bringing us together, but I also credit my experience with Young Life and my exposure to what was happening in the schools at Opelika High and what Tiana was experiencing and ultimately what the decision she was going to have to make for her son. It it kind of stirred a little something in me about education as a whole. With this newfound interest in education, Emma got involved with Teach for America, or TFA, the program that places college graduates and people interested in education in high-need school districts around the country. 
Teach for America seemed like the right route, given everything that was happening for me senior year and, and trying to figure out, so what does entering the working world look like? But I wanted to continue to learn and grow and develop. And I wanted to honor my my passion and my belief for what should be for, for students like Braylon will inevitably be. Now, while you can be placed anywhere around the country with TFA, Emma got placed back in Jacksonville, primarily due thanks to interviewing at Duval County while visiting a classmate's father who was in Baptist Hospital. I asked TFA if I could move my interview from Alabama to Jacksonville out at UNF, and they graciously said, yep, come on, whatever day you're going to be down. And so I actually interviewed for TFA with the Jacksonville staff. What's so interesting about that experience is I, I do believe that speaking as a as a product of Duval County Public Schools, I'm certain that the fact that I interviewed in Jacksonville and had some Jacksonville context is really what allowed me entry into the core and allowed me to be effective in the core. And so Emma started her time with TFA. I was placed at Butler Middle School. It is now called the Young Men's and Women's Leadership Academies. I taught middle school math. And in those years, they were also piloting their magnet program at Butler for the Young Women's and Young Men's Leadership Academy. So I taught single gender classes and it was an incredible experience. Now, during her time at TFA, one of the things that became apparent to Emma was just how unique the experience we had had at Stanton was, especially compared to the educational experience she was able to offer her students as a teacher. Especially coming out of schools like James Weldon and Stanton, where you know a lot of the work is independent, like project style learning, or you know even like lecture based. Like you think, oh, like I sat in straight rows in a classroom, like and I absorb things from Mr. Copeland or Miss Kreider or you know whoever, Mr. Murs, like just fine. That's not how it works in schools anymore. There, there's a lot. There's a lot that I didn't know that I was just kind of blind to because I had a wonderful educational journey, K through 12 and beyond. Um, that I just so took for granted. I think some other difficult things where I was teaching in a, in a Title I school where there were maybe one or two students who looked like me, white. All the other students were students of color. It was hard to walk in every day feeling like I couldn't relate to the students and feeling like I'm doing them a disservice by being the teacher that's in front of them right now because, like, who am I, <laughs> right, to, like, to teach these kids? You know, you certainly have to get over, like, your white savior mentality, which is very much a thing for, for people who, who think that that's like what TFA does, right? And so the biggest challenges were like pers- personal reflections. Like I got to stop assuming that kids are assuming things about me when I walk in this door. The same way that I'm going to not make assumptions about them, like I have to stop assuming that they're making assumptions about me. And I got out, we can't walk in tense like I'm this white lady that doesn't know what she's doing in a room full of black children. And so there was a lot of like reflection and and work that went into to myself. In addition to changing my practices, it, it, it's not always about your intentions. It's about the impact that you have. Like you, you, you have to own that you're well-intentioned and own the impact that you have when you walk into a room. In any case, in 2016, two years into her commitment with TFA and with one year left on her temporary teacher license, while she was interested in pursuing teaching more, life had other plans for her. She married her college sweetheart and moved to Atlanta. There, she worked in the corporate world for a few years, primarily in staffing, particularly with those who hadn't yet received a college education, helping them by providing training to better equip them for the workforce. 
So there was a little bit of ongoing like adult education that came in leading those trainings and setting people up for success. I felt a little bit of my teacher presence and my teacher voice kind of coming out in that space, continuing to help people learn and grow and develop to, to give themselves as many options as possible and to, to advocate for themselves. After two years of terrible Atlanta traffic and being way too far from the beach, she found a job listing for Kip Jacksonville. And since her husband's job allowed him to work remotely, they made the move to Jacksonville. Now, what is Kip? KIPP is a national network of nonprofit college prep public charter schools. KIPP, K-I-P-P, stands for the Knowledge is Power program. We opened a school here in Jacksonville in 2010, actually, after we graduated from Stanton. So we're having our 10-year anniversary this year for our KIPP's presence in Jacksonville, serving students in Jacksonville's north and west side communities. For listeners who don't know, a charter school is basically a semi autonomous public school that does receive public funding. However, they operate under a contract or charter that allows them to do things a little bit differently from neighborhood public schools. For example, we at KIPP have a longer school day for our students and we use different curriculum than what is provided by Duval County Public Schools. However, at the end of the day, charter schools are still held accountable to the same standards that any other neighborhood school would be required to meet and we get a school grade, just like all the other school grades in Duval County. And when you go to look at a school report card on DCPS's website, KIPP is there and we have a school number. So we, in a lot of ways are similar, but we have a couple differentiators that we obviously have parents and students that want to opt into those differentiators. On a day-to-day basis, Emma isn't in the classroom anymore, but she's able to leverage her experience in staffing to work as a talent coordinator. This involves both recruiting new teachers as well as training existing teachers to better equip them for their classrooms. We seek teachers who want very purposely and intentionally to teach our demographic of students. You can teach anywhere. If you have a teaching certificate in the state of Florida, you can teach in any public school district, right? Like why KIPP? Why our students? Um, And we seek people who believe in giving our students the quality education that they deserve. And there are other things that our school leaders and and staff can coach people on how to be a good teacher. But if you don't believe in our kids, if you don't want to teach Black children, this isn't the place for you. Drawing on her experiences as being a white teacher in a predominantly Black school, and in light of the conversations about race taking place around the country, and considering that KIPP has a predominantly African-American population, she's really proud of the work that they're doing in order to make the curriculum more culturally responsive. We've put a lot of emphasis on culturally responsive teaching. For somebody like me, who is coming in as a first-year teacher who's white and whose educational journey up to a certain point looks nothing like the educational experiences the students I'm teaching are having. How do you infuse culturally and identity affirming things into curriculum? How do you make the teaching relevant to students of color? Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Emma is that given all of her experience in education, she is very passionate about improving the educational system. Among her list of improvements that she'd like to see, giving parents and families options necessary to suit their students' needs is right near the top. When I asked her about what new families in Jacksonville might want to know about the educational system here, she was really quick to praise the magnet schools in the school district. Duval County has 
magnet programs, which I think is great. Again, I was part of piloting one and like we graduated from run. There's something powerful about magnet programs that are unique and specialized and offer students the chance to explore different interests, career fields, things like that. And it empowers families to make choices. And of course, she also believes that teachers need to be better compensated for all of the work that they do that, frankly, sometimes goes underappreciated. I think teachers are severely underpaid for the work that they are asked to do. They truly bear the the burden of society on their back. I wish there was a way to credit teachers for all that they do and and juggle in other countries. It's a very noble profession. And as somebody who still has friends and colleagues doing what I think is the most noble work every day, I just wish there was a way not only to make it appealing for the, for the right people, right, but also to give credit where credit is due. And all of this, her advocacy, her career, and her passion for education, it can all be traced back to the stellar education she and the rest of us were able to receive from Stanton. I asked her what set our Stanton education apart from all of the other educational experience she's been privy to so far, from being a Young Life teacher to Teach for America and to Kip. Here's what she had to say. I think it was a combination of the opportunities, right? Like we had sports, we had clubs, we had all these things that you could do to develop your interests, to develop your leadership skills and grow into the particular niche or, or person that you wanted to be. We had AP classes that earned you college credit so that when you went off to college, you had less courses you had to take, you came in with credit, it saves you money. And then if you think about the quality of the teachers and the quality of the curriculum, and we had good teachers, we had teachers that allowed us to like lead our own classes and the expectations of us were really really high and I think that's part of it is like we believe in high expectations for kids because kids rise to the bar that you set for them if you walk in expecting them to be a bunch of students who can't read don't care and are lazy like it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy like you don't treat them with respect you don't hold them to a bar you don't hold yourself as a teacher to a bar the results end up speaking for themselves and so I think the the quality and the rigor of the education we were given at Stan, and then in addition to the extracurricular opportunities, really created a wonderful, holistic experience that set people up for success in lots of different fields, right? Like everybody's journey looked different after leaving Stanton and even the journeys through Stanton. So I remember sitting in my nonprofit management class in Auburn deciding to apply for TFA, changing the trajectory of everything for me and realizing like that's not an option for everybody. And I had options graduating from both Stanton and Auburn based on the educational experiences I had had up to that point. After the break, we'll catch up with another one of our classmates who went on to become a teacher, this time at a very familiar school. Hey there, Stan College Prep Class of 2010. There are so many of you that have amazing stories that I unfortunately won't be able to interview all of you for this podcast. 
However, that doesn't mean that your voice can't be heard on this podcast, letting people know what you've been up to these last 10 years. Perhaps, in keeping with the theme of this episode, maybe you want to shout out one special teacher from our high school days who had a major influence on you. Personally, I want to shout out Mr. Alan Gandell. I personally never studied underneath him, but he was the coach for the Brain Brawl Academic Quiz Bowl team. In any case, leave me a voice memo, about one to two minutes long or so, using the voice recording app on your smartphone with your name, what you've been up to, and any messages you have for your classmates or for teachers. I'll be compiling these messages into an episode later this season. You can shoot me those messages on Facebook or email them to me at ninjaboymedia at gmail.com. That's N-I-N-J-A-B-O-I-M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. Email in the show notes. All right. Back to the episode. If you were to visit the Duval County Public School website for Stanton College Prep, you can actually find a directory with a list of all of the faculty teaching at the school. A lot of the names are going to be familiar. Ms. Majova is still the principal. Mr. Hemphill went on to become the assistant principal. Mrs. Donoher, aka the Dono Beast, still teaches language arts. Dr. Rods still teaches science. Mr. Haygood and Ms. Crespo Lowry are the department heads for social studies and world languages, respectively. And if you look in the mathematics department, many names are going to seem familiar. Mr. Doherty, for example. But one name seems familiar to the class of 2010 for a different reason. Uh, my name is Victoria Shammy. I am here in Jacksonville, Florida, born and raised, and uh, I came back after college. And we'll talk about that. But I am a teacher at Stanton College Prep. Um, I'm teaching Algebra 2 and Pre-Calculus. That's right. Our very own Victoria Shammy not only went on to become a teacher, she's teaching at our very own alma mater. We'll get into her story on how she got there in a second, but having someone who's on the inside, so to speak, I had to take the opportunity to see if our legacy lived on. Is our is our big red letters still on, on campus, like the, the ones we put into the ground as a senior prank? Yes, those numbers, 2010, it is still there in concrete. It's not looking as bright red as uh, we first laid it down in. Um, and you probably can't see the hand imprints as well anymore, but they are definitely still there in the grass. No, but seriously, our legacy goes so far beyond just that physical mark we left on campus. It goes on into the ways our class is being talked about by the teachers who remember us. Speaking to so many teachers that are still there, they still brag about us. They know that we were the best class, and that was because we had the best class president, Andrew Hanna. That was because we had so much class spirit. We started so many things, you know, under Andrew starting the Ignite. The Ignite program is still there, too. So uh, I think that the teachers kind of have a sense of, of us being one of the most triumphant classes that went through Stanton. In any case, Victoria's journey to become a math teacher actually started all the way back in Stanton and led her to FSU. Yeah, so I wanted to be a math teacher sometime in high school. So I think that was closer to maybe sophomore or junior year. I tutored a lot of my friends in math, and that really came easily to me. So I knew that I wanted to do something math related. I, during orientation at FSU, I entered in thinking that I was going to be just a you know, normal math major, but they kind of directed me towards a different teaching program where I do get to get my pure math major degree and then also a secondary education degree. So I actually double majored in the four years that I was there. After graduating from FSU, in order to fulfill the requirements of one of the grants she had received, she was required to teach at a low-income school, also known as Title I. 
While she didn't start off teaching at Stanton, she did end up going back to another DCPS school that she and I both attended. So I actually ended up at Darnell. I uh, applied and they had a math opening, so it definitely worked out. Um, and then I had to stay there for at least three years in order to satisfy the requirement for the grant. And then um, I actually stayed there for five years. Shout out to all the Vikings out there. Fun tangent, in case you missed it, Darnell Cookman is now a joint middle and high school, and as he mentioned, is now a medical arts magnet program, one of the programs Emma mentioned earlier this episode that Duval County offers. But this is a Stanton podcast, not a Darnell Cookman podcast, so how did Victoria snag a position at Stanton? My first year graduating from FSU, when I was at Darnell, I had still been in contact with Mrs. Majova because I knew eventually I wanted to go to Stanton. So I had been emailing back and forth with her for at least four years. And the turnover rate at Stanton is so low. A lot of teachers don't leave unless they want to retire. There was one year, I think it was my second year at Darnell, or maybe I was in my third and I couldn't transfer yet, but they had about three math teachers leave. Mr. Callahan, Mr. Copeland, Mrs. Firestein, they all left at the same time, which would have been great for me, but I couldn't transfer because I hadn't finished my requirement through the grant yet. And then finally on that fifth year, I was like, hey, Mrs. Majova, any openings? And she goes, stop by my office tomorrow morning. I said, okay. So I drove over to Stanton. She goes, go ahead and sign this paper and you'll be here in August. When Victoria started out at Stanton, not a lot had changed. The school layout with West Wing and East Wing was the same, and many of the desks in the classrooms were still the same as well. And as he mentioned, since the turnover of teachers at Stanton is so low, a lot of familiar faces among the teaching staff were still there. Of course, having been a student once and now working alongside your former teachers does take a little bit of getting used to. A lot of them remember me. Some of them don't, but I'm come from one of five kids in the Jamie family that has gone through Stanton. So my older brother was salutatorian. So a lot of the teachers remember him and not so much me. Then when I transferred over to Stanton, my little brother was still there with me. So a lot of the teachers had either known me directly or one of my siblings. So it was it was really cool to be able to connect with them on a different level. You know, from going from uh, Mr. McKay to Ben. Is, is just kind of different or, you know, from Miss Miguez, now it's Miss Sheehan into Erica, you know, speaking to all the teachers using their first names has been different because I just keep thinking of them as a teacher. As challenging as it is to go from Mr. McKay to Ben, going from being a student to a teacher did have its advantages, especially letting her better relate and empathize with her students now since she had once been in their exact same shoes and in some cases the same desks. It's it's easier to relate to the students being younger. I think they have this pre-notion of, of old teachers being just not understanding of the times. So with me being a little bit younger, it's, it's helped me connect with them. Um, it helped me understand what they're going through. They confide in me a little bit more than I think they would any other teacher. And then on like a teaching level, because I understand how being a student work, knowing how stressful the, the workload is, as a teacher, I'm able to be a little bit more compassionate to my students. Uh, I don't teach an AP course, so mentally for the students, they always prioritize AP over any of their normal electives or honors courses. So when I teach you know, Algebra 2 or Pre-Cal, 
they usually wait to do my homework after they've done all their AP history reading or AP chemistry or AP physics, because that takes a little bit more priority, a little bit more time. So knowing that I only give them, you know, between five and 10 problems to do every other day. And a lot of teachers don't understand that. They, they just kind of say, oh, well, I need them to learn this in a week. So this is the work that they need to do in order to learn it in a week where I'm saying like, well, you know, let's be a little bit softer on them. So, you know, being a student has helped me understand them a little bit more with what they're going through because a lot of this stuff is the same at Stanton. You know, the workload is the same, the, the rigor, expectations, all that stayed the exact same. I mean, I cheated. I wouldn't say a lot, but I did. So I kind of know all those tactics that they would use too. And I'll throw it back at them. You know, when we start a test, I'm like, all right, guys, like don't put your sticky notes underneath your, your desk, you know, take the papers out of the hood of the guy in front of you, you know, so they all laugh because they, they understand that I was there. Ironically enough, despite admitting to doing her fair share of cheating, Victoria is now the advisor of the National Honor Society. I am now doing it with one of my other colleagues and it's been really uh, really fun for me. It's a lot of work, you know, because that's one of the biggest clubs, if you will, on campus. Um, and as a funny story, I actually was not in NHS in, in high school because I received two integrity referrals. Now, while Victoria's experience as a Stanton student affects her teaching style now, her life as a teacher has also given her new insights into the ways that our teachers operated back in the day. Yeah, so a lot of times, you know, we would joke, but not really joke about how the teachers would conspire to give tests all on the same day. They don't really do that. However, when you as a teacher, when we have our like calendar of events where we have early release Wednesday, or we have, you know, this pep rally on Friday, we are very limited on the days that we're allowed to give tests. Um, and then also considering a day B day schedule, we all don't like to give a day test on Friday and then B day test on Monday, because that gives B day a little bit more time to, to study. So even though it made it seem like all the teachers were ganging up on us, it really just kind of landed like that. When we go into the teacher's lounge, it's it's just like them just chilling. They tell stories. They um, they they cuss all the time. Almost every teacher behind closed doors. I, I think since so many teachers have worked together for so long, all these friendships have been built up. I don't know. It's really great to to see the unity between these teachers. Um, and so we always thought like, oh, this. T- teachers mean or this one's nice or this one's forgiving and you know it's just I always kind of thought of them separately but knowing how close everyone is it's it's interesting to see them as a as a group of friends as opposed to just individual teachers as far as what's next for Victoria on top of being a teacher she's back to being a student again yeah, so right now I'm in my master's program. So I'm doing um, an FSU online master's in education, specifically on curriculum and instruction. So for the next five years or so, I do still plan on teaching. Um, but further down the line, I don't think I'm going to stay as a teacher. Originally, I wanted to explore potentially being principal or doing some sort of admin work. But seeing what they do, I'm realizing that that's probably not what I would like to do eventually. So instead, I'm going to be working more with the 
curriculum, doing standards-based um, like lesson planning and uh, test writing. So something more on the um, school board level as opposed to in the classroom level. But I definitely want to get my my fix of being in the classroom with the students because that's really what I you know went to college to to do, and this is what I love. No plans to leave Stanton. No, I think that that is like my, it's the ultimate, like, you know, once you get there, you really don't want to leave. I'm glad that Stanton is able to retain the teaching talent who helped shape us and that they're the ones who are in charge of preparing the next generation. I have more trust in the future generation because I know that they're in good hands now. To the Stanton College Prep teachers, if you're listening, I know that we, the class of 2010, wouldn't be where we are today without you. You guys were the original ones to run this. To echo the words of Taylor Molly at the top of the episode, you're the ones who make a goddamn difference. Special thanks to Victoria and Emma for sharing those stories with me and for all of the work that they were doing to help educate the next generation. And special thanks once again to all of our Stanton teachers who helped shape us into who we are today. Like I said earlier in the episode, you can find all the emails of the teachers who are still teaching at Stanton on the Stanton website. So maybe drop them a line telling them thank you. If you want to share those things with the teachers or whatever you've been up to with the rest of the class on this very podcast, just send me a voice memo using the voice recording app on your phone. Full details on how to do that in the show notes. The opening and closing music was provided by our very own Michael Xavier Mariwan of the class of 2010, aka and Silk. Check his stuff out on SoundCloud and Spotify. Other music provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. For next week's episode, talking to Victoria, she had mentioned a little bit about the graduation ceremony that would take place this year for the class of 2020. But at least for the seniors, um, you know, we are postponing graduation. It's going to happen next month at the end of July, and it'll happen at Stanton. So we're going to use that field. It got me thinking about the last time we were all physically together in the same space, our own graduation. Next episode, I'll be speaking with two of our classmates who spoke at our graduation, and we'll see what they've been up to. Until then, I'm Paul Bautista, and remember, we run this. Oh yeah, with that, I was not able to get into NHS. And but then, how the tables have turned. Right, right, exactly. So now I get to uh, you know, tell everybody else how filled of integrity they need to be.